You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. It's that time of the week again when the Hidden Yardage podcast is blaring on the Blog and the Boys podcast network. I'm Mark Lane, joined by Sean Martin, as always, just as you can always find him on Twitter at Sean Martin NFL and myself at the real Mark Lane. Sean, good to hear from you again. Howdy, Mark. Good to be back. Yeah, so it just keeps uh, the, the sands of time just keep effortlessly and relentlessly going to the bottom of the hourglass until the NFL draft is upon us. So uh, the next podcast that we do will be our last one, and then it kicks off, and then the next one after that. I guess what I'm saying is, in a fortnight, we will be doing, (laughs) we will be recapping the 2023 NFL draft. Feels a little crazy, yeah, the whole sports schedule kind of like, Feels like it's just going faster than, you know, you realize, like I said, there's sands of time because, you know, baseball kind of crept back in the, into our lives, you know, a little bit before I was ready, I would say, you know, not that I don't look forward to the start of baseball season, but it's like, oh, wow, it's opening day already. And now there's baseball on every day. And now we got the NBA playoffs and the draft. It's just all coming downhill at us. Yeah. But it's, you know, the NFL, it's going to have its little moment, kind of like the, uh, shark fin poking up in the water for sports fans to get really excited and agitated over what could be in the fall. So, uh, like I said, the NFL draft is uh, two weeks from now. So the Cowboys, they're picking 26 overall. That's kind of what happens to you when you win a playoff game and you're picking later in the first round. It's really more of a BPA, but still, with the way that the draft happens, sometimes good things can happen to you. Like in 2020, when C.D. Lamb was there for the taking, right in the middle rounds. I mean, right in the middle of round one, where the Cowboys were picking. Now, I don't know that this situation like that is going to happen for Dallas with where they're at at 26. But you could see a scenario where a really good player, you know, even a BPA, let's call it, is falling and Dallas moves up to take them. Is there a particular player that you would trade up for in round one and how much would you be willing to give? 
So I pulled out the, dusted off the Jimmy Johnson trade value chart to see. Oh, you know, no, no, you got to use like the Joe Smedney from Schenectady uh, wearing his uh, log, you know, his lumberjack <laughs> outfit. No, you're only supposed to use those. Oh, Jimmy Johnson <laughs> chart. Well, that, that's old news, we were told. Teams still use it, so whoever's up there in Schenectady, you know, we'll get a Urzo listener there, but I don't care. Um... I'll give you one player on both sides of the ball, offense, defense. So Tyree Wilson is an edge defender out of Texas Tech. Pretty consensus high pick. You know, we're definitely talking a big all-in type of move to go up and get him. But you can give up your first, second, and fifth to get to about the 10-11 range. The 11th pick is the Tennessee Titans, which I see is a decent fit for maybe the lowest that Wilson could go or a team that would be interested in him as they're trying to go through a bit of a rebuild and you know, they have Mike Vrabel, who's a very defensive-minded head coach. So I don't really see Wilson getting lower than 11. If he could go a whole heck of a lot higher than that and make it really impossible for the Cowboys to trade up. But I think if he is in that 11 range, you take 26, you take your second-round pick, knowing that you're not going to get anybody of the same value as Wilson, and then you take that fifth-round pick, which is a flyer anyway, and then go up and get a defender that will really check, you know, a box I know you've been really focused on, and that's getting Mika Parsons back to that jack-of-all-trades role, not beating him up as a pass rusher as much. You can absolutely do that with Wilson. The Cowboys don't have that growing weakness going into this draft. We've all talked about that. We appreciate that as far as how it can help them go BPA. But another draft concept we've talked about is the ability to take a position group where you feel like you're pretty set, you feel like you're already good enough at, and go add that one more guy so that they can really be you know, the reason that you dominate games. Don't be okay with just, oh, we're pretty average to above average across the board. That's a hard way to, you know, hang your hat on Sundays and say that's going to be the reason you win any games. Go get that one position group to the point where it's just unbeatable. It's, you know, a nightmare for the other team to scheme against. And I think if you gave Dan Quinn a Tyree Wilson-type pass rusher to pair with Parsons, pair with Demarcus Lawrence, pair with Oso Digizua, opposing offensive coordinators would just have no idea how to, you know, set the protection plan. And this team would really be getting after quarterbacks, you know, at a level that we haven't seen in a long time. And certainly right near the top of the league with or without Wilson. But you add Wilson and just crank this thing up as far as pass rush goes out of Texas Tech. And then on the offensive side, you know, I'll go with a position that we're still expecting some good players to be there at 26. And maybe you don't want to move up for an offensive lineman. But you can use your first and second round pick, hold on to your third and everything beyond that, just your first and second to get the value in Paris Johnson Jr. out of Ohio State. We know how much the Cowboys like to convert uh, collegiate tackles to guard, and Johnson played a little bit of both at Ohio State, so he could be your Tyler Smith, basically. He can be your guard this year with versatility at tackle in case, like we've talked about, a Joss Ball or a Matt Oletzko doesn't really work out. There was your added depth this year at tackle, but an immediate starter at guard, and that 15 to 16 pick range with Green Bay or Washington, I think, is where you consider making a move to go get a Paris Johnson Jr. So, Tyree Wilson or Paris Johnson, offensive line, defensive end, focusing on the trenches here to uh, potentially move up and get that blue chip prospect for the Cowboys. You, so, 11 for Tyree Wilson, correct? And then about mm-hmm. 15 or 16 for Paris Johnson? Yeah, that's Green Bay and Washington, two places I could see him going. Okay. So. All right. Um, For me, I think the highest that I would be willing to go on the offensive side would be 19 if Jordan Addison 
were there. Um, or maybe not, okay, maybe not Addison, but, I mean, it. I've seen so much with regards to the receivers. Um, Jackson Smith, Nick Jigba I, is somebody that, but for me, it's just, I don't know how far I would want to go up because when you like at 19, I believe Dallas would have to give up a first and a fourth in order to move up that far. Would you go up for Quentin Johnson or TCU then, or is it just Addison? If I were to move up for Johnson, the thing with Quentin Johnston is he may fall because there was this report from CBS Sports last week that. They they said, eh, don't bother coming to Kansas City because they don't think he's going to get picked until later, 20 through 28 overall. And they just want to avoid the whole green room waiting around the whole, you know, Thursday night thing with Johnston. So they said, eh, just go ahead and mm-hmm. wait it out uh, back in Texas. So I feel like with Johnston, you could get him, maybe. The one team that I would worry about with Johnston would be the Minnesota Vikings. I think that they might be in the market for Johnston, so you would have to jump them at a particular juncture. Yeah, there's certain players you can just picture in the as we get close, like we are to this draft. Certain players you can just picture in the uniform when you start doing these mock drafts. It just starts to make sense. You know, we got the report of Jalen Carter apparently uh, is going to be a top target for the Bears. You know, there was some reports before that that he might be a player to side, which would help the Cowboys in the potential. You know, pushing a player that they can actually get further down the board when you start to see one of these top ten guys side, but then that was immediately followed with. The report that the Bears, you know, aren't going to let him get past their ninth overall pick. And you could certainly just picture Carter in that iconic Bears uniform on the defensive side of the ball. And Johnson, you know, maybe it's because he already wore purple at TCU, but you could just see him in that purple Vikings uniform, you know, lining up with uh, the likes of Justin Jefferson, really being a fit for them. And But you're right about, more importantly, him, you know, being a guy that can slide as far as 26 potentially, though. So, you know, I do think he's the guy you ought to stay home for where you don't feel too bad about he goes a couple picks before you and then you just look at your other options and then you're talking about his college teammate Steve Avila potentially on the offensive line or you, know, you have other options where you don't have to feel forced at wide receiver. I know I'm sure McCarthy is pounding the table for being able to get another receiver in here and trying to you know prove he can make this offense a whole lot better than where Kellen Moyle left it. To do that, you need more than just play calling and coaching. You need all the talent you can get, so that's why maybe moving up to secure a receiver that they really like does make sense. But I think the idea of trading up for Johnson specifically would make fans you know, just a little bit uneasy as opposed to being able to stay there at 26. And if you don't get them, well, it opens up some other options that can still make your offense good when it comes to whether it's offensive line or one of these many tight ends that are in consideration. Get the Ohio State receiver. It, if, if, if he's falling and it looks like he's going to make it, to 19, I would try to make a move and get ahead of, like I said, the Vikings or really any other receiver needy 
team at that point, even though it might cause you kind of a little bit of a uh, um, some implications by taking him because you've got C.D. Lamb approaching the final year of his contract, and if you take somebody like that, well, you know, kind of looks like you got an insurance policy, but it could be really an insurance policy for Brandon Cooks. You know, I mean, he's pretty long in the tooth himself. Now, I, I just I wonder if Dan Quinn could use a player like this. The thing with Dan Quinn is it seems like, well, you can just grab him any player, and he'll find a way to make it work with his defense. But if they had Lucas Van Ness from Iowa fall and he's available at 19, that's someone who I would also move up to take to present somebody on the defensive side of the ball because he has that sort of inside, outside ability. Um, with a guy like Nolan Smith, I would, if he's, you know, if you see the mock drafts, oh, if Nolan Smith goes high, oh, he goes to the end of the draft. I mean, the end of the first round. So he's one that I would just kind of wait to see uh, if he gets past 19, kind of in that Quentin Johnston territory. But Van Ness is somebody that I would move up to take if he's dropping and he's there at 19. Man, I'm not trying to hate on all your trade-up ideas, but I think that first point you made on Dan Quinn is the reason you don't trade up for a player like Van Ness. I do like the player, you know, just a real safe pick to be a good pro. You know, these these linemen out of Iowa, you know, they grow up, you know, flipping tires on their dad's farm and the strong players that can just plug and play for 10 years and you don't worry about them type of guy. And that's what you got in Van Ness. You know, you can just pass us upside. Might not be the highest, certainly not one of these, you know, twitched up edge rush guys like I mentioned and Tabby Wilson who you'd have to go way up for but yeah just kind of like the Marcus Lawrence type where you plug him in at left end and he can defend a run and which is still an area that the Cowboys are consistently looking for improvement on defend a run on day one and give you some pass rush and get to the level of the quarterback and just be a real quality piece in a defensive line but like you said the ability that Dan Quinn has to just coach up anybody it's kind of funny we say that now in a positive light under Quinn when we used to say that in such a negative way under Marinelli. It's like, well, he thinks he can coach anybody, but these guys aren't any good. Uh, well, now <laughs> you give some of the same type players to Quinn, you know, you've made it work. So in that way, I guess coaching matters a whole lot. But, you know, I think Van Ness is a guy, if he's there at 26 and he's the pick and Quinn wants him in that way, then that's great. And, you know, they and the Joneses come out and do their press conference when the night's over and they, and they sell us on uh, this was Quinn's guy all the way, and we w- would have traded up, but he kept sliding, and that's great. But, you know, I don't think you need to give up resources to get a player that I don't see necessarily anything all that special with, especially when, like you said, you can give him almost any other defensive end that kind of fits that mold, and I think he can get the same type of upside in the first couple of years of his career that you're going to get out of Van Ness. So I don't know if I'd be all that happy trading up for him, but if he's the pick at 26, I could certainly see a way to be happy about it depending on who else is off the board at that point, of course. You know, it's funny because in Dan Quinn's first draft, um, Dallas traded down and took Micah Parsons. So 
in the since Dan Quinn has been on staff, Dallas hasn't exactly traded up to take anybody defensive either in the first round. But you know, I think it's a thing of you know, like I said, the difference between the Marinelli concept of he can coach up anybody, but it was still rigid to a scheme as far as you know, give me a player with only these one or two traits as his calling card because he's going to be asked to do just that. And that is a good way to draft in a in a bubble, if you will. You know, the Patriots are notorious for that as far as not worrying about the total skill set a player has. They have a specific role. They say, all we want is a corner that can flip his hips and play cover two. That's all we're going to ask him to do. So if he can do that, it's fine. We don't need, you know, the upside to do anything else because we just want him to do that. And then they go and get that player to do that and, they become successful, but you know Quinn's defense is so versatile, and that's how that's just how you have to play in today's league. You know you're facing so many different looks on offense. It's versatile, it's multiple, and so you need those multiple skill sets, and it just lends itself to bringing in a different type of athlete than what we're used to seeing the Cowboys bring in on that side of the ball, where even even so that athleticism can make up for you know sometimes the lack of just pure talent or skill or you know you can just find yourself in the right place at the right time to be around the ball and get to the ball quickly with some of the speed they have out there on defense with you know Van Der Esch finding a step uh, an extra step to his game and getting healthy again and of course the speed that Parsons has and you know Donovan Wilson playing down there in the box you can make up for certain things traits wise that you might not have when you can just play at the speed and the multiple Alexa Quinn can throw at you. So I think that's the biggest difference as far as when I say coaching matters as opposed to it being a stark difference in, you know, any philosophical way that they draft or that they feel like they need to change the type of prospect they've been looking at. Yeah, and sorry about getting agitated about the Jimmy Johnson chart earlier. It's just you see these children on social media who say, you know, act oh well he Jimmy Johnson just made up the chart. It doesn't even have any meaning yeah the guy's in the hall of fame and he fleeced mike lynn for one of the greatest train robberies in nfl history but he doesn't know how to put together a draft trade chart get out of here even i used to be like even more i want to say even more than i am now that's not the right term for it considering i'm still going to be here covering the draft and you know really looking forward to seeing what our whole btb staff puts together it's going to be a whole lot of fun but uh, when I was like neck deep in draft stuff, as far as like really taking it, you know, extra seriously, and had all the time in the world to, uh, you know, just watch tape and really dive into it, and watch all the DallasCowboys.com draft po- podcast with Broadus and all these great draft guys, you know, you hear then that NFL teams to this day are still using the Johnson trade chart. So to hear that, and I have no reason to believe that's still not the case. It certainly validates you know, what Johnson came up with, to your point. Yeah, and uh, let's just put it this way. Mark Lane from Universe 832 heard uh, that particular general manager down there at the southern terminus of I-45 say the same thing you just said, Sean. So, you know, that's like I said. Anyway, I'm going to fixate on this. All night, so uh, I better stop and we better move on here. Uh, so Dallas, they've got seven picks in the draft, just like on the old Madden uh, franchise mode where every season yeah, everybody had just seven picks per draft. Um, do you think that the Cowboys are going to come away with a seven-player draft class, or do you think it's going to be fewer 
or maybe more. I think it's a roughly safe bet to say it's a seven-player player class. You know, it's not to say in any way that I'd be forward if they, you know, make a trade at some point. You're always open to all possibilities in the draft, and picking at 26 is its own possibility in terms of you don't know what's going to come your way. So you have to be open-minded, even from day one going into this thing in two weeks. But, yeah, I think, you know, relatively safe to say that they're going to come away for seven player class you know the idea of trading back in the first round is enticing but you have to have a partner that wants to come up for something and you have to feel like you're trading back to still be able to get something as well so I think that's very much in this year's class easier said than done to go backwards from 26 to add any value so I think they stay home now or go up but I think they stay home and make that pick and if they do then I think the rest of the draft falls in place nicely to just make the other six selections and probably more safe to say than not that they come away with all seven of their players here. Uh, what I could see is that they use their fifth, sixth, seventh, and move back and try to create more draft picks with that, or they borrow from next year because they're going to anticipate that they'll get some um, um, compensatory picks that way. And so they'll borrow from that. And so you may see a lot of the additions just on day three when anybody covering the Cowboys is just going to be ready for them to uh, just pack it up and go. And then, oh, no, they, they traded up. They're making another selection. Now they've, they've got three more seventh-round yeah. <laughs> selections. There we go. Going to get a quarterback, a running back that everybody falls all over with in the preseason, which is my favorite annual Cowboys tradition and, you know, some other offensive alignment or something. Yeah, I think that they'll go ahead and I think they're going to come away with more. I think you're going to see some of that day three wheeling and dealing because that's where some of the evaluation that they were doing in Indianapolis, that's where it pays off is to identify guys like that that you can bring in and really get a look at. And, you know, you can just get out ahead of the uh, frenzy that accompanies signing priority free agents. So, yeah, I think that they'll come away with more than seven. I think that they'll find ways to add more picks, you know, to flip picks. And they'll come away with more. But you notice it to me, it seems like in the Dan Quinn, since Dan Quinn has taken over, that the Cowboys, like, they don't really waste picks. When Jason Garrett and that regime was in charge, I mean, just think back to the. 2019 draft it you know they came away with about eight or nine guys and it just seemed like some of the picks that they were making were redundant you know like joe jackson yeah it was you know more just your draft you know at a certain point in every year's draft it still happens you know under this current staff too but and it's across the league but you're drafting for traits you know more than just a specific role on the team or 
a position of need. You're just looking at, you know, one or two traits that could make this player successful that you really think you can coach up and then you go from there on taking that late round flyer. But, you know, when you're a team that never had on a much staff under Garrett and you were never, you know, as talented as, let's say, maybe this current team might be, we don't want to, you know, get too far ahead of ourselves on just how good this year's Cowboys will be, especially before seeing who they draft. But on paper right now, of course, the roster's in a very good place. So if you didn't have that in place, you know, I do agree that you're then looking at those picks like a Jackson or, you know, even a more clear example of that would be, you know, throwing away a pick to take Rico Gatters, a basketball player, because other basketball players have been successful at tight end. And it's like, oh, well, we can turn him into the next big tight end too. But then you didn't have any type of package for him or any really path to develop him. It was just, you know, here's the traits and good luck. And then it didn't work out. So, yeah, I'm right there with you as far as, you know, the, the idea wasn't them sticking their neck out more than any other team does. You know, it's every team does the same thing as far as drafting for those traits. But the way you actually get those players to stick around is you pair the traits with having a finding a role for them and having an idea for how those traits can actually get on the field. And they really didn't do a good job of that. Right now, they're at 65 players on the, and they're going to have a 90-man roster. So you got 25 more players to go, so that means 25 rookies. I'm going to go with eight rookies that they draft, and then the others will be filled with uh, your priority free agents. So my number is eight for the Cowboys draft class. I like that. Yeah, I'm going to stick with seven just because it's, I think, not easier, but it just, it just makes sense right now just given you know the talent of this class and the top end of it where it's going to go you know, pretty quickly before the Cowboys are even players in this thing. And then by the time 26 comes around, I think you just start there and go all the way through with the sevens. So. All right. It sounds like a deal. What is one error, just error, just like a common mistake that has happened in Mike McCarthy drafts that has to just stop? In 2023. Yeah, so it's not the biggest sample size, of course, under McCarthy. So, you know, anything we say here should be probably put a little bit of an asterisk on it and just how much of, you know, McCarthy's fault it might be. You know, they say three years is the minimum to grade a draft class anyway. And so now we're, we're just being able to grade McCarthy's first draft. But one trend that might be starting to pop up and notice is, you know, we, we've both praised McCarthy for kind of flipping some trends in Dallas and getting the front office to look at different position groups differently. Probably running back is the most clear example of that, especially this offseason. Moving on from Ezekiel Elliott, getting more dynamic there by letting Tony Pollard step into the lead back, featured back role. So yeah, we've given him a ton of credit for that. But in the same way, they've been more willing finally to go after a position group that fans have been screaming for for years, and that's interior defensive tackle to run stuffers specifically, you know, pass rush, they've always tried to value guys there and given second contracts to guys like, you know, Tyrone Crawford. And so pass rush defensive tackle is a different thing, but the run stuffers in there, it's always, it comes up every year. And then you get old crusty voice. Of, oh, well, I even drafted a guy there in the first round forever. You know, this mock draft is terrible. Well, that's mostly proven true and been the case to highest pick under McCarthy. At defensive tackle was a pass rusher. It's also Diggy Zua, who does defend the run well and has shown a lot of upside. And we're all excited for what he's going to continue to be. But he was a 75th overall pick in the third round. But at the run starter position, you know, last year you tried to 
take a flyer on John Ridgeway out of Arkansas. I didn't even make the team. Quentin Bohanna was a six-round pick in 2021. Has gotten banged up a bit at times. And, you know, when he's in there, he can be pretty good, but hasn't been probably realized his full potential. And they did have a 30 visit this year with Maisie uh, Smith out of Michigan, which raised a lot of years as far as them showing some real interest in a first-round prospect at the, you know, nose tackle type position with some upside there, Smith. So, you know, it's a position that either Quinn, in the same way that Marinelli did, doesn't value enough to take in the first round, or organizationally it's being sought down. But at least they're trying more so than they have under McCarthy. That's the good side. The bad side that you'd like to see him put an end to is that they haven't exactly hit on these guys to make their own defense an, an overwhelming strength by showing up that defensive tackle spot. And you might want to get that done this year. You know, we still have a little bit of uncertainty at the linebacker spot as far as who's going to defend the run from that position. So you want to get tighter at defensive tackle. And it doesn't have to be first round of Smith, but somewhere in that top 100, maybe you can finally find a guy who makes a meaningful contribution there. I think what they have to do is stop taking project players with your third your or your fourth round pick. You know, fourth round pick, it's the start of day three. You know, obviously there's a chasm between each round in terms of the impact they're going to have on the team. But they the rounds three and four, you know, those are really where you get your depth and guys who can grow into starters. And you look over the past three, um, you know, really two drafts. Um, and you've got Jalen Tolbert, who was just hardly even there last year. And then you've got Nashawn Wright, who's just kind of locked in this battle with Kelvin Joseph of will they or won't they uh, take their rightful place opposite of Trayvon Diggs. And, you know, Neville Gallimore, had some injuries and so forth. He's kind of okay, but you go to the fourth-round pick in 2020 with Reggie Robinson. He's not even on the team anymore. I, I th- They have to get better at finding guys who can develop into starters. It's just a weird thing how they were able to find that with the Ron Bland, you know, with a fifth rounder. Um, and now they've been able to find that on day three to some extent. But it's just right there in the middle, you know, round three, round four, where they just kind of, I don't know, peter out after really doing a good job through the first two rounds. If they could have uh, just, you know, like I said, Tolbert, he wasn't active for very many games. I think he only had a catch last year. You don't want that from your third-round pick. You want someone who's able to contribute more as a rookie who has the trajectory of being a contributor, at least a starter, going into their second, their third year. So that's something from the Mike McCarthy 
sample size that we've seen that I think needs to just stop this draft. And this would be the perfect draft to get that trend fixed because, you know, like I said earlier, we're all kind of excited about how they're going into the draft with this clean slate and BPA. And, you know, still you want to start in those third round, you know, specifically and beyond that is when you start turning your attention to really, you know, guys who aren't helping you that next year, but down the road. And that's where you get the depth on your roster and how you build a you know sustainable team that's consistently in the playoffs. And just now did the Cowboys start to have that though? You know, it used to be one year on, one year off in the playoffs. And there's your reason why, as you just outlined so well. So, you know, we know McCarthy just got this team to back-to-back playoff appearances for the first time in a long time, but yet he's still under the pressure to win this year. And so if that doesn't happen, you know, we still could be talking about a new staff coming in here and what are they going to have to work with? Well, you hope that they have some, you know, your upcoming year two players that you got in this year's draft that actually have the potential to stick around and be building blocks and future starters. You know, you mentioned Nason Wright, I actually think is a pretty good example of that as far as, you know, you did reach for him a bit, but if you, if you drafted him more so where the rest of the league thought he was good to go and you've gotten what you've gotten out of him so far as far as how he's played and has shown some good upside and came on strong at the end of last year, you know, I think that does have the makings of being another Quinn success story type player just like Deron Bland. But you know, the other position groups and specifically Tolbert, like you said, yeah, a lot of work to be done there as far as getting this roster to be deep enough to where they can consistently be in the playoffs. You've done it two years in a row. That's great. But can you make it three, four, or five like these really great drafting teams can do? You know, that's to be determined. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's insight assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Yes, and what else needs to be determined is what type of food you're going to bring to your draft party. So with that said, let's go ahead and have a mock draft, Sean, on your seven items that you would bring to an NFL draft party that you're hosting. First of all, pick, you know, you got to go with day one starter. I don't care about upside as much as I care about does he have the traits to go in, be a starter, have got to have the look of a pro, of course. You know, you can't sell your fan base on someone that doesn't look the part. So draft party, you walk in, what do you want to see on the table? To me, I think a good plate of nachos is a good place to start. So we need some other ingredients, of course, to put it all together. We're going to start out with that first overall pick. Give me some tortilla chips so I can get some nachos going here. And we're going to make this thing happen, building around nachos, just like, 
you know, it feels like the left tackle pick, if you would. This is like the same as when you take a left tackle, first of all. We already got our quarterback because the other snacks are going to fall into place and people are going to bring drinks and desserts and all that. But, but we're going to make sure we have our left tackle for 10 years with that nacho plate going. When I kick off the draft, I'm going right to the frozen section and I'm going to grab some Tyson chicken wings, uh, you know, because they've got some really good upside. I like the bend and I like the way that, you know, they move. And so you got to really think about the, the high upside. And so I'd go with the Tyson chicken wings with my number one overall. And then in the second round, you're looking at some Lay's potato chips because they've got really good movement. And then in the third round, I'm pounding the table. I'm getting up on the table for some Cool Rancher Doritos. And then in round four. You double-dipped with the chips. Double-dipped chip. Oh, yeah. Yeah, don't tell um, George Costanza's girlfriend's brother. (laughs) But, uh, yeah, in round four, you know, you got to start thinking about the drinks. And that's where I would go with some Dr. Pepper. What drinks would you get in round four? Oh, that's solid. Yeah, that, that was a home run of four picks right there. What drinks am I going with? I'm not much of a soda drinker, but I know like if I'm hosting, you know, someone in the room is going to want some soda. So like the Dr. Pepper is fine. You can throw some root beer in there for the 21 plus crowd. We got to have some light beer. You know, it's all, it's all night, so you can't drink anything too strong. So maybe give me, you know, some Miller Lite if you're a Cowboys draft party. They're, of course, a sponsor. So you can go with that and add to that theme, some Bud Light, anything you want to go with there. So let's go with some light beer in the fourth round. Let's just go ahead and say my second and third round picks were the rest of the nacho ingredients. So you got your salsa and your taco meat or buffalo chicken, whatever you want to go. And you got the wing plate on there. So this will look like a pretty good party so far, Mark. And I just made it a little bit better, I hope, by getting some 21 plus beverages in here. And round five, I would have to consider uh... – it's just for the health conscious people, I would get some carrots. And in round six, I would get Boo. some ranch for them to dip. And then in my and then in the seventh round I'm getting Whataburger spicy ketchup. I forgot you can actually buy the spicy ketchup as like a you know, you can get it like H E B C which is awesome. I should go pick up a bottle. But yeah, so spicy ketchup's a great pick there. When you know you drafted carrots, you'll have celery on the board for me, so I'm gonna throw in some celery because it goes so great with the wings. I had some wings today and some celery, they were great. So we're gonna take some celery to put on that wing plate, cleanse the palate so you can go, you know, if you have any dessert options there, you can go from the savory wing taste to the sweetness of a dessert. We already got our drinks. Um or condiments, you know, let me throw in some, uh, for my six round pick, I guess some, some Buffalo sauce. Cause we didn't get that in there. So I think we have every other flavor covered. So we need some Buffalo with the spicy ketchup, all that sounds good. The celery. And then I think I have one more pick. I'm trying to decide where to go. And we need like a dessert item. Like I said, hmm. dessert item to make sense for the draft. Uh, give me like some kind of like cookie, like type thing, like, you know, like a just a cookie tray assortment of some cookies or something. That way, it's not like you don't you gotta like cut into a cake and miss a pick or something. You know, it's just kind of there on the table. Draft is all about efficiency, as far as you know. You don't want to miss picks and things are happening, and there's always that one guy like me or you in the room that has media responsibilities that night. So to 
on the laptop and the phone and they got a hundred screens going trying to figure out what's going on and it's just a crazy high energy type of night so you don't got time for a messy dessert so we got our, our wings our cookies snacks and every dipping sauce you can imagine so we're in good shape here yeah and then i'm on the phone with those undrafted free agents right after the draft and you know i, I i'm looking at some paper plates and napkins. Oh, of course. Yeah. Those, I mean, those probably should even be – those are essential enough to what they should be your seventh-round pick. I mean, you can't let those get the free agency and slip away. You know, the thought of the Eagles taking our paper plates, that doesn't work. So, yeah, go ahead and, uh, you know, slide your ranch dressing down if you need to, and we'll go without it. I know I can go without it. So trade out the ranch dressing for some plates and napkins because they're that important. Exactly. Um, yeah, that was just a fun little mock draft we decided to – throw right in you know just at the drop of a hat because there's so many mock drafts out there right now um let me ask you this sean uh, before we get out of here so really the cowboys birthdays coming up but before we get to them would you consider a quarterback you know a day three late day three another ben denucci project and really i think a lot of people would be thinking about this because of the success that uh, Brock Party had. So now that's really going to come to people's minds. Would you consider doing the whole Ben DiNucci route again, grabbing a Project QB this draft? Yeah, I think at some point they do what I said. You know, the roster is, like I said, fingers crossed it's in a good enough place where when you start to turn your attention towards not just the short-term future of the team, but when you start to think more long-term with these later round picks, a quarterback makes a whole lot of sense where you don't feel like you're going to get an immediate starter that helps you with your immediate goal of being a serious playoff contender this year. You can get that upside in a quarterback. So they visited before on their pre-draft visits. The only one with a clear draftable grade is Max Duggan out of TCU, who they've shown interest in as early as a senior bowl, which is certainly very interesting considering the way that they draft senior bowl players almost every year. And then the others are Clayton Toon out of Houston, Jason Sully out of Missouri State, and Logan Bonner out of Utah State. Just certainly some developmental quarterbacks that the Cowboys have shown interest in. That would lead us to believe that they could easily uh, go to Ben DiNucci route and get another young quarterback in here. Yeah, I don't want to do the Ben DiNucci route this year. Um, I think that they should just, you know, say get a quarterback. You got, you've got to have one as an undrafted free agents of somebody's throwing at rookie minicamp, but I, I just, I think, I think they should avoid it. And I know with the local kid, you know, from TCU that there's heightened interest in that, but I, I think they should just move on and, uh, you know, go to next year, see what's available then. But yeah, I'm not wanting to take a quarterback on day three, all right, let's go ahead and get to the Cowboys' birthdays. Uh, on Tuesday, Kenny Gant, the uh, Shark, he turns 56 years old. He's a really great special teamer for Dallas, played safety from 1990 to 1994. He turns 56 years old on Tuesday. And then on Thursday, Anthony Fasano, who was a uh, second-round pick for the Cowboys uh, from 2006 to 2007, he played tight end. He turns 39 years old on Thursday, and he's from Glen Ridge, New Jersey. So, Sean, 
Is he saying Torquell or Taylor Ham? Uh, Glenn Ridge is kind of like right in that weird Central Jersey cutoff line where like you don't quite know. You know, it's like the dividing line. It's like in that jumbled mess that is just the north central part of the state where like you know it doesn't really have a definitive uh, answer to that. So. I think that's below where the pork line would be. I'd like to say the Fasano's on the right side of this argument and cause a pork roll, but there's a decent chance that uh, that's Taylor Ham section just based uh, geographically on where Glen Ridge is. I love how we have the Maginot line, the Alpine line, and New Jersey. We have the pork roll line. <laughs> yes, we do. There's actually a, a bigger debate, too, on if Central Jersey is even a thing, like, that's another thing that would start fights. Like some people think you should just draw a north south line and that's it. And then other people and I'm on this side too, say that, you know, it makes a lot more sense to divide the state into the three and there's a clear north central and south, but a lot of people like to deny that there is no central Josie and it's just north and south. Well, someone who would weigh in on that debate is Bill Hill. He turns sixty four on Friday and he played defensive back for the Cowboys in nineteen eighty seven. He was born in Neptune, New Jersey. What do you think he's saying? Is there a central Jersey? Yeah, sorry, your mic cut out there for for a quick second. Uh, Neptune is actually uh, where I was born. So, yeah, that is, you know, certainly in central Jersey, right along the shoreline. Um, never lived there. It just happens to be where the hospital was. But, yeah, I was born in Neptune, uh, much like where Bill Hill was from. And that is clearly in the, uh, you know, if you believe in central Jersey, it doesn't get much more central than that. And I'm sure you can find a delicious pork roll egg and cheese sandwich in the Neptune area where not only will, you know, the people that you go into uh, to talk to will call it pork roll, but many of the residents there too. So. And then on Friday, Tony Romo turns 43 years old. He's quarterback for the Cowboys from – 03 to 2016, I'm sure. Everybody will be wishing him a happy birthday on Friday on social media, and those are your Cowboys birthdays. I think it would be, from now on, I'm not even going to say, oh, yeah, my co-host, he's from New Jersey. I'm going to start saying, yeah, I co-host with a guy from Neptune. <laughs> like I said, never actually uh, you know, really lived there, you know, uh, you could say, you know, Point Pleasant, but then people would be like, that sounds like a made-up town, and it does, so. Yeah, it sounds like Pleasantville, that movie. I know. <laughs> well, I, for, for as long as I've known our managing editor, O.J. Ochoa, he, like, doesn't want to believe that that's a real place, so he uh, he says it's a made-up town as well. We'll have to ask uh, BTB's Brandon Ory if he, of course, knows where Point is, which I'm sure he does. You know, certainly with uh, Romo's birthday coming up, you know, a good opportunity to ask about or talk about, you know, memories we have of his playing days. For me, I'd rather just say that I remember our season one episode where we his birthday came around. So this feels a bit weird to remember that probably was coming back around on the birthday list, you know, just shows that we've been doing this for a bit and it's been fun. So, yeah, to see Romo pop back up on there means that we are well into our hidden yardage tenure. And like you said, there'll be some social media posts about it and I'm sure we'll be seeing a lot of content about it. Oh, yeah. And I hope that we're doing hidden yardage uh, long enough to where uh, we're telling you that Dak Prescott's going to celebrate his 40th birthday. And uh, we'll see how successful the Cowboys are when that is rolling around. Man, they had the 2016 game against the Steelers, which is an all-time Dak Prescott, Ezekiel Elliott game on NFL Network. And it's crazy how much younger he looked then, like... Father time comes to us all, doesn't it, man? Like this you know, rookie Prescott just looked like a baby, man. He he looked so young, but he played so well, of course, that year. What a season that was, and you know, changed the whole 
direction in the franchise, which is crazy to think about. But yeah, seeing him look so young compared to what we know he looks like now, it's uh, it was interesting to say the least. Yeah, well, we'll see how old uh, Prescott looks after the NFL draft with the picks the Cowboys make. You've been listening to the Hidden Yardage podcast on Apple. You can find us on Apple, Spotify, TuneIn, and Stitcher. Thanks for listening. So there it is. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder. But you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this. High-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle. It's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today. First thing in the morning, as soon as you wake up, the to-do list starts. Does the car need gas? Hopefully those leftovers are still good. Why did I get CC'd on? Oh, Mom. No. You can't escape the to-do list, but you can make the most of your me time with a relaxing shower using Method Hair Care products. Try Pure Peace Volumizing, Simply Nourish Moisturizing, or Daily Zen Shampoo and Conditioner for daily use. All formulated with long-lasting fragrances and are safe for color-treated hair. Reconnect with the best version of yourself. Visit methodproducts.com to unleash your inner shower.